0: You're listening to the You Can't Fix What You Can't See podcast, hosted by author and consultant Karen Cornwell. Here we share real success stories from companies striving to become more gender savvy to drive innovation, growth, and engagement for all. Today, I'm talking with Alan, and he's the CEO of Sage Glass, uh, which is a subsidiary of St. Gobain. And we are talking about um, all the wonderful things that his company does to empower women and to get them working harder and better in the workforce today. So, Alan, how much time do you spend talking about the people side versus the business side? You guys have some very interesting policies, but but I wanted to, I just wondered how, how much time do you focus there versus, you know, there are many business issues I'm sure that you have to untangle, but how do you split your time?
1: Yeah, you know, putting a percentage on it is quite, it's quite tough. It's really very dependent on circumstance, but I would say on any given Topic, I'm mainly about the people side of of something, whether it is the relationship that we're building with a potential customer, it's the person, whether it's some difficulty one of our team members is having, it's the person, whether it's the selection process for bringing someone we're hiring, the person. Um, I, I would say I spend the vast majority of my time is about the people within the business. And I don't mean the nice side of it, you know, like writing a birthday card or recognizing their anniversary. That's that's the, a, a personal side of leadership. More about how do we take our business in that direction to reach those goals? What are the skills? What are the attitudes? What are the behaviors? Therefore, what kind of people? How do we train our people? How do we develop our people? How do we plan for succession in our people? How do we become the organization in five years' time, how do we start that today? It's all it's all about people. Um, even when you're on a difficult job, you know, we, we sell a construction product at the end of the day, but it's a very dynamic construction product. It's very new. Um, so you're, you're even then working on how do I convince, how do my people convince their people that this is the right part? It's people. It's not data. There's the data sheet for the product, bang. I ain't gonna sell any of this. when you last bought one of these things, did you buy it because of the data sheet? No, if you did, you bought the wrong phone because this is not a good phone. That makes it a good phone because of all the interaction sides of it. The fundamental technical data sheet isn't good. So, People is the biggest part of the business. And I'm not saying that because this is a podcast with you and it's about people. I'm a real believer that the numbers in a business with the right strategy and the right people executing, the right culture, the numbers are a secondary measure, not a primary measure of how the company's doing. If I want to influence next year's numbers, I don't look at the spreadsheets. That's a look back. I'm looking at everything that we as people will do, whether it's training operators on the shop floor, bringing in new operators, adding a shift, building a plant in Europe, enhancing the business development team, getting HR, Paul, it's all people.
0: Awesome. Alan, you've done some pretty amazing, and I'm gonna go to the numbers, some pretty amazing shifts in your numbers in terms of the number of women. I think uh, 33% comes to mind, which is if you look at technology companies here in Silicon Valley, their percentage of women looks more like 15, maybe half of where you're at. And so you made some, I think, some very strategic decisions that you were going to increase the number of women on your leadership team. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and tell us you know, why you did it and, and what happened when you did it? Because I'm sure that not everybody on the leadership team just jumped on that bandwagon and said, I'm with you.
1: You know, it, that part of it maybe wasn't as difficult, and I'll come on to that in a second. But I, I'm a practical guy. I'm a Scottish working class guy, and then I'm a scientist, and then I run manufacturing related products. I'm quite practical. So I look at it really simply. I need to have people in my organization in order to grow around the world. If I'm going to only fish in the pool of men, I've just decided that I'm I'm gonna lose 50% of the potential team members for this team. So I look at it purely practically. I'm not looking at it as a numbers game, as a diversity game. I'm looking at it as I need the following. People skills to grow this company, and if I only fish in half of the pond, I'm making my job an awful lot more difficult. Number one, that's why I I look at men, women, fifty-five year olds, twenty-one year olds, black, white. That's why. Why would you reduce the pool in which you fish in? In Sage, we've got twenty-one different languages spoken. In our company some organizations might look at that and say oh my god that that's gonna make it really complicated others like us just see it as, well we were fishing in those pools and the person with the right skills happens to be spanish we'll find a way to communicate and we do first and foremost yes we set some goals because without goals you never get there but it's really about the skill sets out there, you know, I'm going to offend some of the men here. You know, women work harder. They've got more to improve. Now, that's not why I go out there and, 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 and look to set a rebalance. But, you know, they, there's there's less of this, it's not my job in that aspect of it. But first and foremost, the, you know, fish in the pool where there's more fish um, and, and bring them in. And then then it's self-perpetuating. You reach a certain mass, and then it's a good place to work. It's, it's a diverse place to work. It's an inclusive place to work. Not because you're telling everybody it is, because it is. Because the balance has changed. If you are, and I, I challenge myself on this a lot of the time, to look at a room and say, what if I was the only white guy in this room? How would I feel? I ask myself that a lot. Um, Maybe not, but what therefore must it feel like if you're the only woman in a room of 10 or a room of eight? That's hard. What happens if you are the only woman in a room of three? It's getting better. What happens if there's three of you in a room of 10? It's getting better. You're not alone. I, I, I joke with the internal team and, and, and externally, you know. someone asked me years ago, similar discussion to this, Karen. You know, what's your goal? When the words they use were, when will it stop? I, oh, I would imagine at 50%. Not because that's my goal, but last time I checked, half the population of the world was women. So I would imagine it'll kind of normalize itself (laughs) at 50%. And
0: that's the way I think. Of course, Alan, you have the the added disadvantage of you're both a tech company and a manufacturing company. So you've got two pieces that are kind of difficult and that are areas that women might not necessarily see themselves in. Yes. That's a
1: good point. I think a lot of the time, we're actually convincing some potential candidates that we're we're something for them to think about. And and again, initially, when you're trying to attract a good engineer who happens to be female uh, into your manufacturing, you've got to sell the company. You've got to sell manufacturing. You've got to sell the culture that you're trying to create. And you've got to bring in a person who actually is saying, I want to be part of your change. I am not going to be put off by the fact that my journey will be a little bit more difficult than the next woman's journey and the next woman's. And we quickly bash through that, very, very quickly. But I think on the question of attracting females to manufacturing and to tech, yeah, if you bog yourself down on that and you almost keep telling your potential candidates that they shouldn't work for a company like you, I, I, it doesn't really matter what we're doing, um, whether it's high-tech and it's manufacturing. We talk about the culture. We talk about the behaviors. We talk about the values of the organization. We try and see, well, do your values align with ours? Don't try and make them up. Here's ours. Bang. That's the way we are trying to behave. And I'm not saying that's the way we behave. That's the way we're trying to behave. Does that align with what you want to do? and how you want to feel because you'll fit perfectly. And these values are on the walls. You know, Years and years ago, in a previous company when I did the same thing, we put the values on the wall. A few of the leaders said, why are you putting them on these nice plaques? You know, Because they're going to change. I said, no, no, no. The values are not going to change. The goals are going to change. Yes, But the values aren't going to change. And that's why we've got to get these right. And Sangoban has principles of conduct and action that guide us. So it starts with the basics of, we will respect the law. Wow, and you've got little companies, and I, I compete against uh, you know, smaller startup companies, and they might say, well, of course, you're gonna respect the law. Really? If you've got 200,000 people working in your company, don't you think that we should absolutely state that? Because deep down in the organization, Someone could think they're trying to do the right thing, to win an order in a particular way, and we're saying no. You Can't won't violate. The, you know that's a that's a value. It's not worth it. We're not that company. So the values are clearly stated, and then it helps. Uh, you know, we just attract good people, and and then we once we've got those good people, you've spoken to some of my my you know, what I good female members of the team they advocate the company you know it's a good place to work you know i remember hiring namrata who we both know well and i told her i said i'm going to use the wrong word here i've been stalking you for three years i wanted you in this company and now i've got to convince you of the values of the company because you can help me with the change you can help me get to the next level we've gotten to you know this level of engineers, this level of scientists, this level of managers, where I'm struggling is the executive level, um, and I need more. And I'm and I'm now going outside. I I can't promote it from within because I don't have the skill set I'm looking for. So I'm outside looking for executives who are female, but who do an amazing job. And
0: I, I had to discuss.
1: I'm rambling a bit. here, come. No, I it's know, okay.
0: I, so I want to know how you stalked her. It's a
1: small world
0: in electrochromic glazing.
1: So you can see when a competitor wins a particular job and you learn from the company that you lost the job to, oh, well, you know, person X at your competitor was really quite impressive in doing X, Y, and Z. Okay, you hear about person X once, then you hear about person X again, then you hear about person X again, and you begin to think, Ah, person's really... You know, not just winning the work. It's not about going in and stealing someone from a competitor. It's that person's really got some interesting values. Now, Sangoban has a lot of integrity around recruiting and hiring. When Namrata worked for our competitor, I was not allowed to talk to her, even if I wanted to. And I know that as a leader. It was absolutely no. Now, Namrata chose to leave that company, and she went to another company. And I, I'll tell you what, exactly what I did. I called legal on the day I heard she had gone. I don't know if that was the actual day she'd gone or if it was a month later or whatever, but I heard she was with this other company. And I said, Namrata's no longer with Company X. How long do I have to wait before you will let me talk to her? And they said, oh, I don't really need to wait. A year would be good. Diary. A year. That's the way I work.
0: Ping.
1: Namrata Vora's available. You can talk to her.
0: So <laughs> it's awesome to see someone in your position that you know is going out and looking for exactly what they what they want, and then you know waiting, <laughs> waiting until they can go get it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I hope it's not that awesome. You know that that's terrible. You know it shouldn't be awesome. It should be what we do. You know, I I see relationships in companies. Not this is a bad analogy, but forgive me for a second. You don't go out and marry the first person you like. You learn a lot about them. And you don't then just compromise on someone else because it's a little bit more difficult to get the person that you've really fallen in love with. And please, that seems a bit weird now that I'm talking about Namrata. But Namrata was the goal in terms of a piece from a professional perspective from a values perspective, from an effectiveness perspective. And actually, we weren't just taking something that she'd done from another company. What I saw in Namrata was a future leader. Her existing company didn't see that. So I feel apt about that. They saw her as a very good individual doing what she was doing, but not as a VP. I saw her as a VP with someone with potential. And Karen, I just love to put hungry people around me. I, I don't want people who are already fat and happy and, and eating well. I want hungry people, and Namrata's hungry, male or female. Namrata's hungry. That's great. I don't mind if I wake up some mornings and think, oh, and there's five sharks fishing in the pond here, and and I'm the CEO, and they
0: all want the job. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good to have choices.
1: Yes. It's not about any individual. This is. This is a wonderful challenge, and leaders, the leaders that get recognized are egocentric maniacs who it's about them. And and that's an evocative statement. The leaders who should be getting recognized are the humble ones who don't want to be above the radar. They just want to do what's right for the company. They want to do what's right for the group. They want to do what's right for their people. Those are the leaders that we should be doing more research into finding instead of the the ones that hit the pinnacle and really don't deserve our recognition
0: because it's about them that's true it really is it really should be about the company and where you can not just what you can get out of people but where you can take them because you can take them to marvelous places that that they never dreamed before
1: yeah and they can take you there too
0: well, and that's true because I did hear, you know, after you hired Namrata, then she turned around and hired uh, Monique, right? You started a, a funnel <laughs> into the company of super talent, if you will. So it's a matter of getting it started. And then it, like you said, it can be self-perpetuating, but your yes. leadership team, when you started doing this, did they all jump on board or did you have some people that were, whoa, wait a minute, you know, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? Should we really be doing this?
1: I would say that as a group at the time, there was no open or significant resistance to you know, more women coming into the company. That was something we all bought into. It was more on, you know, let, let me take an example uh, with someone we maybe brought in from a competitor, male or female. The resistance might more have been about, well, we don't want to become like the competitor, why are we hiring this person? We don't want to become like them. We want our own identity. So there was a fear of, uh, of that. There was a resistance to some of that. But I have to say that the leadership team and the values that we had, there was no, and I've not seen any pushback on us trying to be a more balanced and a more diverse company. Everyone's very much Genuinely bought into that. You know, we as I said earlier, we've got multiple nationalities. We've got a wide range of ages in the leadership team. You know And when it brings new challenges, you know, Namrat and I were just on a call earlier today, and she's got young children. I can't remember what it's like to have young children. But that diversity that we have. This is good. She has problems in COVID right now, but managing her kids in school. That helps us to realize that a big chunk of our organization is young with children. So it's not 55-year-old guys who are very privileged and their kids are off doing their own thing, thinking, I can't remember what it's like to have a kid. We've got the balance. We've got different nationalities, the two sexes, different races, different ages. This helps with the balance. Uh, And it's not just the the bullshit, superficial, yeah, we must be more diverse. We're more diverse because it helps us genuinely manage and lead a business which is diverse.
0: Simple. What do you personally do to support the women in your organization?
1: I would say, again, back to this humility thing, I'll give you my perspective, but that's an answer that better comes from them. You know, what they think I'm doing that has been helpful to them. I mean, to me, it comes back to this. I just, I don't treat them differently. A young lady that came into the company, Ruth Schlitz, wonderful scientist. I mean, an exceptional mind. And I described Ruth to someone that we were both meeting um, as an exceptional engineer and blah, blah, blah. And I brought her to this meeting. I didn't think anything of it. It was later on as we were in a cab going back to our hotel and she said, thanks for calling me a wonderful engineer. I thought she was focusing on the wonderful. She was focusing on the fact that I didn't call her a woman engineer. I didn't differentiate it. To me, she was just a good engineer. So I think first and foremost, it's because of my upbringing, and my mum and gran and sister being the role models as a, as a younger person, having no male role models. To me, I didn't see women as not being able to do things that men can do. And in fact, I probably saw that women did more things that, that men didn't do or couldn't do. Uh, and that just you know, came into the workplace. It was oddly reinforced years later by two good managers who even even back in the 90s, you know, managers at a high level who were female and they were the best managers I'd had up until that point. So I wasn't calling them out and say, oh, I had a good manager who was female. I, I was in The two best managers I've had were these two women. And it was this balance that they created around the logic, the goals, the people, the feelings that I wasn't getting under male management, which is much more ego-driven, you know, one one person wins, another must lose. You know, there wasn't a win-win mentality. So it all just kept building in that way. So I hope what I do today is is anyone in our organization realize it's about their skills and their talents and their intellect and their values and their behaviors, regardless of whether they're black or white, male or female. Those are the things that I value and I hope the managers value. And again, it's what we're trying to be, it's what we're aspiring to be, it's not what we are. I know we've got flaws and problems. I think the second element is helping women with self belief that they're their greatest enemies at times, but it's setting the bar so much higher than it needs to be at that they constantly, and this is, I don't mean this in general, but The bar is high, and therefore they fail in their head and they set it too high. And in reality, it's helping them to say, Look, what is your job? What have you got to achieve? Do you know what you've got to achieve? Will person X think if you achieve one of those? Great. Two of them. Great. You've currently got 21 items on the list, you ain't going to achieve them all. And I'll tell you now that what people will remember you for is the 18 that you failed on, um, not the three that you were successful on. So focus on the three. And then people will only remember you for being successful and everything. Don't try and do it all. Even though you might feel the pressure, find out what's important. And I don't mean... Oh, Alan will think I'm great if I do this. What's truly important to the business in the job that you do? Deliver that. Deliver it well. Don't feel you've got to take on 20 and 30 items. You know, Be selective with your manager about what you can deliver and then deliver. That, that's true for men. Everybody. Well, it's, not, it's not specific to women. Um, and I, I, you know, I hate when people say, it and you get around and you hear a lot of people say, well, I don't see race or I don't see sex. Of course you do. It's about how you act. It's different. You know, I put everyone through unconscious bias. I don't put everyone through how to treat everybody equally training. I put them through unconscious bias and say, look, we're all biased. We're all biased. I could walk in the room and I could look like someone who punched you in the nose when you were 12 years old. And you're automatically going to have some reaction to me just the way I look. Or I could have been the person who nurtured you through. I don't know that. We make these decisions rapidly, and we've got to realize there's nothing wrong with some biases. They're protective. Yes. But there are other biases we've at least got to be aware of, sort of correct for them. Even if it's initially a very conscious thing realize that they're there. I'm not an unbiased person, I'm biased. If I can make myself aware of what I'm biased towards or against, then I will work on resolving that. I won't talk about one area, I have one one type of person that I am negatively biased, biased towards. I know I am, so I've got to make sure that I'm not bringing that in when i 'm selecting that table it 's to see actually this bias Alan, has got no, no linkage at all to their behave, to their work, but I think it does. I just think it does, and i 've got to say no, nope, 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 stop, 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 and make sure that we address this biases that are in us all
0: i 've rambled again um, no i wish I wish more people. Understood that about bias and say it's it's there. Deal with it. You know, <laughs> remember that it's there. And it's your you you still choose your behavior. <laughs> you don't. You can choose not to act on that bias.
1: Cool. Really tough. It, 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 and, and again, yeah. so we do that throughout the organization to let people realize: look, if I didn't go down a path that my mother really pushed me on, I could be working in a coal mine or a steel mill in, in Scotland. That was my destiny. And my mother said, education, that's what you're going to have. education. And she worked to make sure my sister and I got that opportunity. And therefore, it changes my life. So every time I'm looking at someone on the production floor in Faribault, Minnesota, or uh, a niche in France, or, you know, in Poland, I'm not thinking, "Why well, i just a little operator from that town. I'm thinking maybe didn't get the opportunity. And maybe you're smarter. So I'm going, to, I'm going to start there. When you asked me the first question, how much of it is about people? I, I, I just had two one-on-ones with my people today, remotely. The first discussion with person one was how are they getting on with their kids and their schools and going online and managing that? How was their husband coping with them being at home all the time? This is an executive I'm talking to. Then we move on to the work item. It's, it's about them. The second one, got a family member problem right now, coping with COVID and, and mentally coping. We talked about that for a little bit. Before we move on to anything else about work, that, that's that's not some fake system where I'm saying, I wonder how long I've got to spend on this personal shit before I can move on to the real stuff. It's a genuine discussion, but this is affecting you. Your yes. mind's not. You know what? Do, what can I understand? What can I know? Another senior leader just now had a family member pass away—a very young family member—and obviously, their mind is not in the game, and it shouldn't be. If it is in the game, I'd be worried about them. So what do we do? What would you do if it was a genuine sports team? And I hate sporting analogies, but you wouldn't play them in the match. So why do we insist that they must keep playing in our environment? Why don't we say, hey, you're sitting this one out. you got to go be at the funeral. You've got to take a day or so. I know you'd think blah, blah, blah. We can cover this. We've got this covered. Don't worry, we've got this covered. And then when they come back, my story is always pretty much, well, we didn't do it as well as you would have done it. That's for sure. But we got through it. How are you doing? Because the person's fear coming back after is what? Shit. I just proved they can do this without me. That's not true. That's not true. What we what we proved is we can all gear up to cover something in the short term. That's not the same. That is not the same, but people mix it up and think it's the same.
0: Yeah, no, and that's unfortunate because there's, I think everybody needs to be able to bounce out of the office for urgent things And to have people cover them and to go, okay, I I know they got it. And when I get back, I'll straighten out whatever didn't quite go right (laughs) because it never does. I I might have learned some stuff that I wouldn't. You know, a
1: few years ago, I made a difficult decision to share something with the entire team that I did not want to share. My wife got cancer. And I knew that I was going up and down. And I did not want anybody in the organization thinking that that up and down was because of them or because of the business. You see the CEO wandering around with his head in his lap. You think, oh my God, there's something wrong with the business. The
0: numbers are bad. (laughs) In my
1: really deep down, the person I am, I didn't want to share it with anybody. It's none of their business. The leader that I am, Owes it to the people to say, Look, don't worry about the way I might be looking and feeling. It's a difficult thing for me to go through, and I want you to know about that, but I'm not looking for you to come and ask me how I'm doing and all that. I'm no different from anyone else. We've got a strong team. The team is us, not me, not you as an individual. We're fine. But I'm just telling you, this is why you might see me not looking my normal self. This is why I might not be as inspirational as I should be every day, because I really have my moments where I'm thinking, I don't care. If that worries some people, so be it. I always say, people want honesty till you give them honesty. Namrata corrects me, she says, Alan, they want honesty, but they also want inspiration.
0: <laughs> yes, she would say that. <laughs> well, you know, and being vulnerable like that allows the rest of your team to be vulnerable, and it's it's really important that people are real. And I I think there's I don't know somehow we got this check all your feelings at the door and walk into work, and that doesn't and will not ever work. When leaders demonstrate these capabilities, it's just amazing that other people go. You know what? If he can be human, then maybe I can be human too.
1: Exactly. And I think it's, a, it's you know, again, having more women in the workplace, this is a, another advantage to the diversity. Women are better at showing vulnerability and not fearing the repercussion of it than men. Men, obviously, going back to, you know, being the hunter-gatherers, showing vulnerability ends up in death, So deep down, you don't show vulnerability. But that's not the world we're living in anymore. And I agree with you. Uh, Not that you're going out there and saying, I can't cope with this anymore. It's all too much. But you're sharing. Look, like you.
0: You know, Alan, I'm a strong proponent of sharing. You know, I believe that by taking the time to share, we can really accelerate our progress and help others at the same time. It's a reinforcing upward spiral that benefits everybody. All right, Alan, thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. Take care. Earlier in this podcast, Alan mentioned the values of the company. You might want to take a look at these. So I have a copy of their values on a PDF on my website under the resources section. Make sure to go there and get a copy. I think you'll be very enlightened when you do. You've just listened to the You Can't Fix What You Can't See podcast with host and author Karen Cornwell. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and peers. If you know of a company doing amazing things to become more gender savvy, please drop us a line at the website youcan'tfixwhatyoucan'tsee.com. We are on the lookout for success stories to share with our listeners so their companies can become gender savvy.